Well, we have some very special guests here today, and I'd like to introduce. You heard about Wesley's engagement in a wild helicopter ride around Chicago. I want you to stand up, bud. Yeah, you stand up. Exactly. No, but you're the beginning of it. There you go. Good. Brandon, I want you. There we go. Here they are. <laughs> yeah, this is his love, Brenna, and his fiance, and Lori and I are just so grateful that you, uh, God, arranged all this, because you're just a woman with a love for God, a deep relationship with Him, and uh, you're just a gem. So, thank you so much, guys. One more. <laughs> This is Chris Hewis, and she's, of course, uh, Brenna's mother, and we had a fun time. We went out to her house, and we got like five acres and five horses and two goats, and our dogs were just ripping all over the place. We're going to have a fun time at your house. That will be our, our retreat area. But it's so great to have you, and again, obviously, you're a reflection of Brenna in so many ways. All right, let's thank them. All right, guys. Well, we want to talk about the WTI, the Wiseman Truth Initiative. They've decided to give a more formal name. I'm sad to say, but you guys kind of disappointed me. Last week I asked how many had you know, moved the Wiseman, and it was kind of weak. And I said, Dan, you've got to do something to show them how important it is. So I said, okay. I'm going to go to a nativity scene, a public nativity scene, and I'm going to move them. I'm taking that risk so that these people will know that they have to join with this Wiseman Truth Initiative. So I brought Tommy along with me, who is my person documenting this. And the crime scene was at Living Waters Lutheran Church. There we see it. I, walk, I drive by it every day to work. And I'm just, recently I've been so tempted and finally, I just gave in, and I did. And the first thing I did, you see here, is arrived two years later. Now, that was good, but they were still pretty close to that stable. So I'd done reconnaissance. I knew that these were stakes in the ground that they were hooked up to. So I brought my screwdriver, and I and tightened them, and I put them over here. Yeah. There we go, huh? Isn't that satisfying? It was exhilarating to me. Thank you. Now remember, Lake in the Hills police are up and down Miller. It's love to drive that stretch. So Tommy was a lookout, you know, and we were just kind of wondering if we can get this thing done. Even that wasn't good enough. I said, no, we have to make a statement. So I did this. I put it on the side of the building. No doubt. Yeah, it was a great experience. You know, that, that kind of, you know. Uh, you fear the police are going to come, but it all went well. You don't, don't tell anybody about it, okay? You know? <laughs> so, after I have taken such a bold step to tell people about the Wiseman Truth Initiative, tell me how many, because I did that, how many of you will now take that step to move your wise men? 
Oh, thank you. Thank you right there. Thank you. Any others here? No, thank you. Oh, my heart. My heart is filling. My chest. Oh, it's just so beautiful. Yeah. Well, one more thing. I did have some help. This picture is of Pastor Dustin Lenz of Living Waters. And so I gave him a call and I said, hey, listen, can I come play with your nativity scene? <laughs> he didn't get it at first, which I understand. And so I talked more. So we sat down. We had a great time talking. A great pastor there. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, tell your friends about that and encourage them to move uh, their wisemen. Last week we started a series entitled Christmas it's not your birthday, right? It's not a bonus birthday for you. It's for Jesus. Jesus, that's why we celebrate it. So we talked about how we were going to integrate Jesus even more into our Christmas traditions and help us to remember, yes, He is the reason for the season. In fact, we saw some other people who took the Wiseman Challenge Let's go back to those pictures. This is Peggy Lightson. She has a clock, which is great, right in the middle of it. That says so much. That's a nice touch, Peggy. And the next picture here, oh, this was Ed Kai. Ed Kai. That is sharp. I love the way that it looks. It makes sense. And they still can stay pretty close, right? Yeah. One more. This is Ethan Phillips. <laughs> he's, he's put the wise men aside. <laughs> So, Christmas is not your birthday. Today we want to talk about something very special. How many of you have found it difficult to buy a gift for your husband or your father for Christmas? Anybody struggle with that? He won't tell you. He buys it instead, and then he has you wrap it up. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you, we are so stubborn. Well, well, just think about getting a gift for Jesus Christ, the one who was everything. He doesn't need any gifts, per se. He's complete in himself in the Trinity. But we've got some hints as we study Matthew 25. Now, let me uh, kind of set up uh, the timeline here. Of course, we know that this world is more unstable than it's been in a long time. ISIS, San Bernardino, people being radicalized right here in the States. Very scary. You know what God says about that? God says it's going to get worse. What? Yeah. It's just going to keep getting worse and worse and worse until God has had enough. And then he's coming down, or he is inflicting a judgment upon the earth. We call it the tribulation. It's seven years, and it's the end of the world, in a sense. And there's seven years uh, when you know, the Antichrist comes, and all different types of things happen. And it's very severe if you read about it in Revelation. And so the question is, if, we're, if it were to happen, would we be there? Well, there's different views. Uh, there's pre-trib, which I am. That means we'll be taken up before it all happens. And there's mid-trib and 
post-trib and pan-trib will all pan out in the end. <laughs> but I am pre-trib because that's the best option, don't you think? <laughs> Taken out before all the judgment comes down. So you have the seven-year period. And at the end of the seven-year period, there's this massive war called Armageddon between God and man. And God comes and, yeah, we know who wins, right? That gives us all the confidence in the world that He is going to come and that He is going to reign in the city of Jerusalem. And then there's a thousand-year period called the millennium, which people who are still living will be a part of and will be a part of it well, but in too much detail there, but so you got seven years of the tribulation, the judgment we're talking about now, and you have a judgment for believers in terms of rewards and also for unbelievers, and uh, and of course the millennium. Well, let's see what Jesus Christ has to say about it. Let's go to the next slide. When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, and He will sit on His glorious throne. When Jesus comes back, everybody's going to know. Everybody in the whole world will bow their knee to Him. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, all the people who've lived through the tribulation. And He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. You're saying, but where did, where did the Christians go? If they were raptured before the tribulation... Why are there Christians on earth? Well, because if all the Christians disappear, some people are going to say they were right, right? And they're going to be convicted by God and, and they'll be part of the chosen ones. But they'll be greatly persecuted uh, during uh, this time. So you got the sheep and the goats. Now, back in that day, here's another picture. Here you see sheep and goats are being herded together. That was very typical. But what they did not do is put them to rest together because that didn't work out. You got these nice, gentle, docile sheep, and you got these rude, rambunctious goats, right? So whenever they were eating or resting, it was a part. Do you have a goat in your bed? <laughs> you know, I mean, obviously. The wife is a beautiful sheep, and the guy is the goat, and he's kicking, and he's snorting, and he's snoring, and all kind of stuff. <laughs> well, look at the next picture. You'll see the uh, sheep uh, eating alone, separated uh, from the goats. All right, let's get back to our passage. And he will place the sheep on his right, that is, of course, the people who are believers, but the goats on the left. That's interesting. So the sheep are Christ followers, and the goats are those who have not yet made that decision. It's too late at this point to make that decision. There's the sheep and the goats. Now, the right side was very significant because it was the side of justice. The Roman law system, legal system, uh, the Jewish uh, and the Greeks. Right was always the right side to be on. Like in the Old Testament, they always blessed sons, children, with their right hand 
on the right shoulder. So what does that say about us? That says that we are just, that we belong to God. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you for from the foundation for you from the foundation of the world. Now it's really important you understand this verse because there's going to be other verses that you're going to say, What? Alright. So it says here, Come, you are blessed by my Father. Now who would that be? It'd be Christ followers, right? Inherit the kingdom prepared for you. Now, where do you get an inheritance from? Well, typically, from your family. So that shows that we're part of God's family. And you gave me, oh, excuse me, uh, come, you're blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Here's the amazing thing. We're all sinners, everybody in the world. But before the foundation of the world, God chose people to be part of His family. So we've been on this list for a long time. And maybe it was last year you came to Christ, or the year before that, but that was planned. Thousands of years ago by God. He chose you, not because of anything special about you, but just because He chose you. So there we see, obviously, He's talking about a Christ follower. He's talking about someone who's repented from their sin, been covered with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Then it goes on, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me in. Now this gets a little bit confusing, right? Because I just said that you can't get to Jesus by doing good works, right? He has to choose you and work in your life. So what, what's this about? I was naked and you clothed me and I was sick and you visited me and I was in prison and you came to me. Well, what it means is, is that's the fruit of being a Christ follower. You've got the root, like a tree root, and that is the basis of our salvation. We are Christ followers. We're adopted. We're definitely going to experience God here on earth and for eternity. But... If a church, excuse me, if a if a tree is healthy, it's going to have fruit. So after you become a Christ follower, you don't have to do good works to please God to get into heaven. But it comes naturally. You want to do it because the Holy Spirit is within you and always prompting you and always encouraging you to serve other people. Let's go to the next verse. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, "Lord, when do we see you hungry?" And feed you were thirsty and give you drink. And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? We didn't see you any time during the tribulation. What are you talking about? The next verse. And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them truly. I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. What does that mean? Friends, that means when you minister to another person, when you pray for them, when you give to them, when you teach them, 
It's actually like you're doing it to Jesus Christ. Now, Wana leaders work very hard, and they come in on Wednesday nights, and <laughs> they're just trying to keep up with life, and they give us like two and a half hours of their time. And they work with all these kids, and some nights, you know, it's just a circus <laughs> in their groups. That's when it's so important to remember that i got all these monkeys around me, but they're Jesus Christ. When I teach them a verse, when I encourage them or give them godly counsel, it's like I'm doing it for Jesus. My friends, we have so many faithful servants here at Springbrook. We often talk about that leaders and volunteers, and we're so thankful for all you do. And I know sometimes ministry isn't fun. It's hard work. But what you need to continue to remember that every time you do ministry in the neighborhood or your local school or here at church, you're doing it for Jesus. Right now, I'm ministering to you. It's like I'm ministering to Jesus Christ. Did you get that? I am ministering to you, and at the same time, I'm ministering to Jesus Christ. Friends, that will revolutionize the way you view service to the Lord. It's amazing, isn't it? Well, who are the least of these? Let's take a look at this list. The people who are least noticed. A lot of people that aren't noticed. Certainly the the poor. Uh, people who don't rank up to the cultural standard in certain areas. Uh, you know, we don't notice them because we want to be with the important people and the people that we love. Unborn babies. They're the least of these, aren't they? God put them in the womb. Birth begins at conception. I always find it very, I don't know, disturbing when I see them making marks. You know, it's just so terrible. You can't, it starts at conception. But people are blinded. They don't want to admit that because then they have to admit that there is a God. So, you know, we, we work with informed choices. It used to be Tri-County Pregnancy Center. There's a baby bottle campaign. Every year in January. And again, we, we reach out to this organization because what they do is they provide a place where a woman who comes with an unplanned pregnancy and they can encourage her. They can show her the sonogram. They can talk her about how important that baby is. And so many lives are saved. At the same time, you might have had an abortion. And that is a real difficult thing for you to deal with. You haven't worked through it. Well, friends, God does not want you going around, you know, beaten by false guilt. You're forgiven for that. In fact, if you struggle with that, I would encourage you to go up to Informed Choices. And they, they specialize in that type of thing. But don't live with that guilt anymore, okay? Because you're a Christ follower. Uh, the people who can't help you back. You know how we work. You know, if I do it for him, maybe he'll do this for me. <laughs> you know, we got our own bartering system going here. 
right? And those are the people we want to help because there's going to be a kickback, no doubt about it. But for the least of these, there's nothing except love and thanksgiving, which certainly is enough. The people who are in complicated situations, and sometimes you'll come across a person who just, because of their parents, because of, you know, they didn't know Jesus and made wrong choices, I mean, their lives have so many different levels of hurt. And you know what it's like. You say, I should call that person. But I know if I call that person, I'll be on the phone for at least an hour. And I don't have an hour. Now, let's put it differently. I've got to call Jesus Christ. I've got to minister to him. I've got to take that hour and give it to him as a gift. You always need to put up boundaries and things of that nature. Sometimes we kind of shy away from those complicated people because, you know, we don't have time for it. As Christ followers, we need to make time for it. It can be a gift that we can give this Christmas. And, of course, people who are in crisis, health, uh, marriage, parenting, you name it. Those are the least of these because sometimes we just kind of forget about them. Yeah, we know they have that particular disease or whatever. But then you need to ramp up the time that you call them and encourage them. Let's go to the next slide. The needs of people. So these were outlined by Jesus Christ and what he said. I was hungry and you fed me. And again, we had our Thanksgiving baskets that were mentioned. 30 Thanksgiving baskets given away, most to uh, Lake and the Hill Elementary uh, parents who don't have the resources to put a decent Thanksgiving uh, feast together. And thirst for water, you were naked and you clothed me. We've done that through, uh, we've done that as a church uh, through having always something that we're collecting for the needy. And this year it's winter coats and winter clothing because they need that so much. And so we're ministering in that way. And then if you're in the hospital and you're sick, again, it's nice when people stop by and recognize uh, the importance of your life and you care for them. That's very powerful. So anytime your friends are in the hospital, make sure to make time to get down there. And if you can't do that, just give them a call. It's amazing what just a phone call will do, that I remembered you. I'm praying for you. I want to walk with you through this. And of course... Uh, we have a great pastoral team here at Springbrook. And what they do is they coordinate meals, they coordinate everything that might go along with this in terms of ministering to people in our family. And I want to uh, thank Deborah Wandless. Is that dear? Okay. Now she's in charge of that. Uh, in prison. They came to me in prison. Christ being in prison? Yeah. He's everywhere. I want to thank Brett Filer, who leads our prison ministry up at McHenry County Jail, and Shannon Marcou, who is our compassion director, and uh, helps all these things kind of fall in place, just like with our uh, Operation Shoebox. I just want to thank you guys. I'm so impressed with your generosity. 
That's been at the core of this church since it began, almost 20 years ago. Generosity. When we bring out these projects, you just jump in and, you know, great things happen. So we're doing our job as a church. Now the question is, how about your personal compassion? Now some people are more compassionate than other people. But what's a gift that you can give to Jesus this Christmas in showing compassion to someone? Because really, all the illustrations he gave were of compassion. Maybe it's a single mom that you know. And she's struggling. And you say, hey, can I come over and fix anything for you or whatever? Or maybe it's someone elderly who lives in your neighborhood. And you just say, hey, if there's anything you need, you just let me know. Because I want to be here to help you. And that's true Christianity. When we show our love by giving up our time and giving up our resources in order to bless other people. People are all around you. You just need to open your eyes and ask God to guide you. Let's go to the next slide. In verse 41, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. Then he will say, oh, Let's go to the next slide. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick in prison and did not miss you? We didn't know you were here. And it goes on. Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it for the one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So what's the point here? Is the point that they just didn't do these particular things? No, the point really is that they're sinners. And they haven't accepted God's free gift of salvation. Uh, They don't understand the marvelous grace of God. Jesus Christ said this. In fact, Jesus Christ talked about uh, judgment quite a bit, a lot more than heaven in the Gospels. He says, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. It's difficult for us, but we have to, we have to think about hell. Think about hell. Oh, Dan, you're so good up to this point. I mean, come on. It's Christmas. Lighten up. (laughs) Do you know why Jesus came to this earth? What did he come here for? To save us from the penalty of sin. To save us from hell. Eternity separated from him. You're alone. It's not any fun, all those jokes. No, it's a terrible place to be. And friends, we believe that only those who call on the name of Christ will go into eternity. I know many of you are praying for your, your families and your friends who don't know Jesus. 
a beautiful thing. Keep that up. The friend, I mean, when you think about it, when you think about your neighbor or maybe somebody else uh, that you have a relationship with and realize that if they don't turn to Jesus, they're not going to be in heaven with you. Jesus Christ came down to save people from the penalty of their sin, which is eternal hell. That's the bottom line. And you see, when we really start to understand that, we even become more engaged in evangelism. It's like, hey, this life is nothing. I, I've got to do whatever I can with my personality and my giftedness to spread the Word of God. I get to those Christmas cards and give them to people and say, hey, come on out. Did you know that 80% of the people that you invite out to church will say yes? I've been talking to the nose. <laughs> you got to keep talking to them, friends. But don't be afraid. Like, oh, if I invite them to church, you know, I'll be really awkward. No! They need the gospel. And that's why we are sitting here on Algonquin Road. That's what our church has always been about since day one. Is helping save people from eternal punishment. Amen? This past year we've had 35 people that we know of who have come to Christ and accepted His free gift. Now, wonderful? Let's celebrate that. But friends, it's not enough. 35, come on, let's pick it up. Five years ago, I think I set a goal of 52, and I'd like to do that again for this next year. Let's pray that 52 people, children and adults, teens, would come to Christ through our ministry because if you want something, right, you've got to pray for it. And then God will deliver that. So we're talking about the most important issue in this world today. Where are you going after you die? And friends, we just need to meditate and continue to pray and continue to spread those gospel seeds in order that people might know Him. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, sometimes I think that uh, when you mention salvation or save, that people really don't know, well, what are you being saved from? Well, we've talked about that. And that is the one reason that you came to this earth, because you didn't want people to go there. And you came down, lived a perfect life, died for our sins, you paid the penalty that we deserved. And now you're a mediator for us. Now, Lord, we can only say thank you. And I just pray that everyone here, including myself, would give some more thought to how we can serve you this Christmas by giving to you, uh, ministering to other people, and also I pray, Lord, that we continue to pray for people who need you. In Christ's name, amen.